0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2011 Annual Missions Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday the 5th of June, 2011, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Here's Brother Richard Rolls. In China, to a, a great extent, he's doing, uh, it's not exactly, it's, it's not social work, but it's, uh, He's working to uh, help the people in a in a charity uh, sense, and because of this, the country is open to him and uh, going over and uh, I think he's taking a good bit of clothing and different things and His name is Robert Horner, and he lives in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, he's a fairly uh, well to do man uh, started out some years ago and he owned his uh, son bought into a fireworks store and next thing you know it was kind of failing and he asked his dad if he would come over and kind of help him so his dad did that and the lord turned that business around became very successful and uh, brother horner ended up owning the business and uh, they sold the store for quite a sum of money and he's now working to uh, develop another store that's going to be just absolutely fantastic if they can get it all together but his heart is in missions and when he sold that very successful store uh, he retained twenty percent interest in the store which in effect is is financing his uh... missionary work and he's never gone on deputation to raise support or anything like that and i'm certainly not against missionaries that do because that's the norm but uh... He's uh, now working to start an orphanage in, uh, let me think, down in Honduras in Central America. And uh, he's already met with the uh, president of that country and is meeting with him again if he hasn't already just in the very near future to uh, put that together. But Brother Horner's telling us about the, uh, the lack of freedom in China. Uh, even the number of children that you're permitted to have in that country is limited. Uh, we we have such freedom that it's it's staggering. We don't really think that much about it. And we don't really appreciate some of these things until we lose these privileges. But uh, anyway, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, I want to read verses 35 through 38, and uh, I trust that you'll take your Bible and turn there and uh, that we'll uh, be able to learn from these passages of uh, these uh, verses of Scripture. We'll read verses 35 through 38. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few." Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, again, we ask you this morning that you'd meet the need. I pray that you would take from my mind the things that I should not say, and impress upon my mind clearly the things you would have said, and I pray, yea, Lord, that you'd speak those things through me. And... (coughs) And Lord, that we would be able to profit from the study of your word this morning. Help us, Lord, to never, ever forget the multitudes. And I ask you this in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray, amen. I want to entitle the Bible study or message this morning, Don't Ever Forget the Multitudes. Don't Ever Forget the Multitudes. Here in our passage of Scripture that we've read, we are talking about the Lord Jesus, and it's just a small uh, window, as it were, where we can look through onto His or into his ministry. And you remember in uh, the Scriptures, the Bible tells in the book of Luke, chapter 19 and verse 10, uh, he said, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry revolved around that passage of scripture he came to seek and to save that which was lost and here in this passage that we've read we get a sort of bird's eye view or a it's kind of a condensed picture of what Jesus did see he went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom why did he do this Why did he go into all the cities and villages? Uh, That would be very taxing, very tiring, uh, very demanding, a very demanding schedule. And the answer and the reason that he did this is because there were lost people in all of these places. Lost people in the cities, the large uh, metropolitan complexes, lost people in the the villages, in the very small places where there was very small uh, gatherings of people. And he goes into all of these, and he's doing this because they're lost people, lost people in all of them. And he's setting the example of what needs to be done today. We, we need to be going into all the cities, all the villages, and, uh, and even as they, they did in the book of Acts, they went door to door. In the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, the Bible says, And daily in the temple and in every house... Every house. They ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Wasn't one house that was left out. And in order for them to do that, I submit to you, they had to have some kind of an organized visitation program. Uh, if they didn't have, how in the, you see, there, Jerusalem was made up of thousands of inhabitants. How in the world could they keep it straight? You know, well, we we don't put eight or ten people to this house and, nobody at this house and so on only way in the world they could do that was to have some kind of, an, of a record system an organized visitation system but daily in the temple and daily in every house man that means every single day there are people going to the temple and uh, you remember the temple was built uh, for the Old Testament economy and worship and uh, people were going there <coughs> pardon me with the uh Temple and the things about it, all picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were going and worshiping because they didn't understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the of all the types of the things in the temple and uh so even though the people are deceived, they're going there to to be used of God and uh to counsel the people, teach them, do whatever it can because these people are reaching out uh seeking the Lord. And here are the disciples' <coughs> pardon me, and they're seeking sinners, so they're going to the temple and then in every house that's to me that's that's fascinating uh every house I remember in our first pastor uh we started a visitation program, and i i didn't know anything about doing this uh, i talked to some other preachers. The church that I was saved in to my knowledge, never had a a uh, you know or quote organized visitation program now the pastor encouraged people to go and talk to others uh that were lost and uh, worked to reach out to them and the members of the church did that but uh i'm thinking myself i said man we need to be going uh when i first started pastoring i hate to tell you this but i was so green that i spent most of my time just visiting the church members and they enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And they'd have good meals, you know, and we'd fellowship, and, and I'd think of a, maybe a family, and I'd tell my wife, I said, we haven't visited, you know, uh, the Stamper's in, in a week or two. Let's let's go down there, and uh, we didn't have to call them up, man. Just you know, just show up and hi, brother Ross, hi, sister Nora, come on in, and we'd sit around and just talk, you know, and fellowship, and and it's good bonding time, but the Lord hit me one day they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick and the lord is pressing on my heart you don't need to be spending all your time with the church members that are already saved you need to be out knocking on doors and visiting lost people i didn't know how to do this but i had worked as a door-to-door full of brush salesman i don't know if you all have those over here or not but uh, I had uh, I had been trained in that, and so basically it wasn't very difficult to transition and just go and knock on the door and said, introduce myself and tell them, my name's Richard Rawls. I'm pastor of the Temple Baptist Church down on the old Tulloma Highway and so on, small town. They, they could uh, identify with that, and uh, the church had a sign in front of it. And I'm sure that most of the people had passed by in front of the church, and uh, I'd ask them, I said, I just wanted to come by and and see if you folk attend church regularly anywhere and uh, see if you know the Lord and you know that's the only way I need to do it but the Lord began teaching me and showing me how to do visitation work and I remember telling our fellows the men of the church I said fellows we need to we need to start meeting Uh, and I I think we set every Tuesday night I gave them you know Monday night to kind of uh, rest up from being in two services and and so on, but we started every Tuesday night. Then we went changed and was doing it like every Thursday night, and uh, and I distinctly remember that people started going to church, but they weren't coming to our church. We had an old flop house, you know, tumble down building, uh, had been a uh, juke joint, a, a beer joint, you know, just similar to a pub. And uh, they'd had so many fights, and you know, people being cut up with knives, and that the, the, the city or county actually closed the thing down. And then, <laughs> and then our church opens up in that place, and uh, we tell the folks where we're at. You know, oh man, that dump! You're, you're, that's a church in that dump. You know, and uh, the building was built during the Second World War and you you couldn't get material hardly and it, it just it it just didn't look that good but uh we were doing the best we could with what we had and so these people were going to church but they wouldn't come to our church and i distinctly remember one of the men saying to me brother ec bailey he said brother Rawls, this visitation thing's not working ain't no point in going on with this he said we're getting folk in church but they're going to other churches rather than coming to ours And I said, I know, Brother Bailey, I said, I know they are. But I said, listen, we're claiming promises. And I said, I'm trusting God's word. And God's word, God had pressed these promises on me in the book of Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And, uh, and then another scripture uh, in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and about verse 5 or 6, uh, 4 or 5, pardon me, said, uh, but let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself and himself alone and not in another. And uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says, uh, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And God had given me these promises and, you know, some others that I was claiming and that I was going in the light of. And I told Brother Bailey when he said, we, you know, we which, which might well stop this thing. I said, no. I said, Brother, we're going to keep going. And we did. It's interesting to note after a point in time, and it wasn't a long, long time after that, Brother Bailey came to me and he said, Brother Rawls, he said, we're going to have trouble in our church i said why is that brother bailey he said our church is growing so fast we're going to have trouble he said he said i've never seen a church grow like this that didn't have trouble and i said brother bailey i said who do you think's giving us this increase he said the lord i said don't you think the lord is able to take care of the people that he's giving us yeah yeah but we're gonna have trouble (laughs) you know but uh hey we saw the Lord move. And God honors, God honors reaching out to lost people. And that's what Jesus was doing. Uh, he wasn't waiting for them to come to him. He was going to where they were. And uh, so he was preaching in their cities and villages and teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease among the people. And in his preaching, the healing of the people gave credit beyond any question or doubt to anybody that was uh, uh, even halfway looking to have their eyes open, you can't deny miracles like Jesus was doing. And uh, like Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and listen what he said to him. He said, Rabbi, we know. He was a Pharisee. He's, he's saying, in effect, we've talked this over. He said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He's confessing. He said, we know this. We know this. And so Jesus was doing the miracles. And and these miracles were lending credibility to the message, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But notice he wasn't caught up in the healing, and, and that is, majoring on that, making that the prime point of his ministry. Uh, it was the message that he was preaching. And then says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And I'm reading this and studying this one day, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, I said, the things that so many people in so many churches get caught up in and major on, and that becomes the main thing with them, was not the main thing with Jesus. Now, I want to give you a list of just a few things here that Jesus did not. Uh, he he didn't zero in on this, didn't get caught up in that. Uh, first of all, Jesus had the disciples around him, and, and they had close communion. For example, John, uh, the beloved, is spoken of as leaning on the Lord's breast during the time of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and and that, that's in John chapter 13 where you find that. They had close communion. And I see dear churches time and again, and they're so caught up and enjoying the communion that they have with each other and the fellowship that they don't reach out to other people. And the Lord had that close communion. I mean, people getting saved, people loving him, adoring him, worshiping him. And uh, the close communion they had had. That that was not the thing that captivated the Lord Jesus. He enjoyed it. I know that he he enjoyed it, and uh, I'm sure that he loved it, loving the disciples and those that were saved. But it was not the close communion that was the the main captivating thing about him and his ministry. Notice the second thing. In another place, it tells us that never a man spake like this man. Jesus had a preaching ability that was unparalleled. He never preached too long and he never preached too short. He never preached too loud and he never preached too low. And the reason is because he's God. He never preached on the wrong subject. He never even one time made a wrong statement in a phrase that needed to be corrected or dealt with, you know, slip of the tongue, whatever, because he's God. He had a preaching ability that any man would, be, uh, would marvel at, would be astounded. I, I think we could go as far as to say would be astounded at his preaching and teaching ability. And yet his preaching was not the thing that, you know, was the highlight in his mind and his heart. wasn't that. It wasn't his preaching schedule. Scripture says that he went about all the cities and villages, and I doubt not but what every synagogue was open to him i've uh, I've talked to dear preachers the evangelists uh in particular and uh I'd hear them and maybe another pastor ask them for a meeting, and the evangelist would say in total sincerity he he'd say brother Uh, it'll be a couple of years before having have thing open. And they weren't saying it in a braggadocious manner. And I thank God for the the Lord using a man to that extent. Uh, But uh, personally, I've never had that. Amen. I I can usually get somebody, you know, uh, that same year. But but, uh, his preaching schedule wasn't what he marveled at. He wasn't caught up in that. Uh, and I'm not saying the fellows that do have a good schedule like that are, but sometimes we can get caught up in those things. But notice something else. It wasn't a communion, wasn't a preaching ability, wasn't his preaching schedule. It was not the crowds, just for the sake of the crowds. He wasn't caught up in that. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, the multitudes thronged him about to the point they trod one upon another jesus had literally thousands of people around him on uh, most any given occasion it wasn't let me say it this way it wasn't uncommon for jesus to literally have thousands of people surrounding him and uh, the reason that i know this and know this number is because when Jesus fed the multitude in the gospel of John chapter 6 there was 5,000 men besides women and children can you imagine such a crowd and then on another occasion he fed 4,000 pretty good sized numbers right and yet Jesus was not caught up with the crowds just for the sake of the crowds wasn't that and then note please it was not his healing power and that you know he's healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people but he's not majoring on the healing part of the ministry Uh, I oh man I see fellows that just they make so much of this and they're healing healing and uh, man I had an uncle he's gone on now to be with the Lord but uh, he came down with cancer, and he knew that it was terminal uh I won't go into all the details on it, but he went to a very well known uh famous healing preacher in the United States, and they didn't let him go out into the where the large main gathering was i think it was a tent that the fella had set up and I don't know it probably had a thousand maybe more people out there in that tent, they took him into a a room to the side. And after the service, after the main service, my uncle, along with a a good number of other people uh, in this place to the side, this preacher comes in, and here's what my uncle said. He said he wanted us to promise that we would send X number of dollars, uh, you know, sizable number of, of, of dollars each month And he would pray for us. He said, I couldn't promise that. He said, I didn't have that. And that's not the first time by any means. I've heard of this over and over. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, you stinking buzzard. If you really cared for people and you have really the power to heal them, you would pray for them. that's, that's, That's a hireling, a charlatan, a crook doing stuff like that and doing it in the name of of God and Christianity, land. You ever heard of anybody being ridden out of town on a rail, being tarred and feathered? If there ever was, somebody ought to be tarred and feathered. People that do stuff like that ought to be tarred and feathered. Absolutely. Just ride them out of town on a rail, amen, mark them, and uh, fix them with that tar where they're going to have a real difficulty getting it off of them, amen. But uh, Jesus was not caught up and enamored enamored with his healing power that wasn't the focal point the healing of the disease and sickness of the people was for the purpose of the main reason and that was for those people to under or not to understand so much as to believe the message that he's preaching in order for them to receive salvation for their soul, I distinctly remember uh, there was a a, a young lady. It was only well, young girl. She was only like four years old, and she started coming to our church. Her name was Kathy West, and we never could get her mom nor dad in church. I had gone by uh, the home, and I made it a point when. Uh, people came to our church. We tried to visit back in their homes, visit the visitors. And uh, I was never, ever able to catch Dad uh, Kathy's dad at home. I'd go to the door, knock on the door, tell the lady who I am. She never invited me in. And uh, so I'd go back again, different time, never never did see her dad. But uh, the, the folk that were picking Kathy up and bringing her to church said to me, the lady said to me one day, she, I never will forget the lady, she said, Brother Rawls, she said, uh, I think we're doing wrong in picking Kathy up. And I'm thinking, am I hearing what I'm hearing? And I said to her, I said, well, why? Uh, Sister so-and-so, and I called her name. She said, because it's Kathy's mom and dad's responsibility to bring her to church, and we're relieving them of that responsibility. And I said, well, I agree with you that it's their her mom and dad's responsibility uh to bring them and you are relieving them but i said listen if you don't continue picking kathy up we don't continue bringing her to church uh we're going to lose kathy and her mom and dad and the lord brought the scripture to mind in the book of matthew chapter 21 i think it's verse 15 out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise and i said to this sunday school teacher I said, rather than us discontinuing, picking Kathy up, keep picking her up. But I said, let you and I start praying, and claiming this promise, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast Thou perfected praise, and let's pray that God will use Kathy to speak to her mom and dad. And uh, I, I said, on the basis of this scripture, I said, let's do that, and so we did. We prayed and started praying along as the Lord brought it to mind. So I uh, was able to catch Kathy's dad at home. Not just a few weeks after that, went by knocked on the door. He was there alone. I introduced myself. And he knew, even though I'd never met him, he knew that we were taking his little pride and joy daughter, four-year-old daughter, to church. And he invited me to come in. So I went into his house there. And uh, so I just kind of, Chit chatted with him a little bit, asking about his job and you know this and that, but just for a little bit. And then I said to him, I said, Mr. West, uh, I said, uh, the real reason that I have come to talk with you is I want to ask you about your soul. I want to ask you if things are right between you and the Lord. Are you a saved man? Are you a Christian? He said, No, sir. He said, uh, I'm not. He said, I've never been saved. I said, Well, could I show, could I read you some things out of the scriptures? And he said, sure. And he's sitting over in his chair, and I'm sitting over across from him, you know. And so I started with the Roman road. I said, uh, the book of Romans specializes in telling us how to be saved. The book of Genesis tells us about beginnings and all. And I said, uh, uh, there are four things that the Bible tells us that is necessary for a man to be saved. And I said, the first one is the fact that we're all sinners. And I read to him from the book of Romans chapter 3, verses Uh, 10 and 11 Uh, and then verse 23 for all all have sinned come short of the glory of God and I dwelt on that and kind of hammered on it you know the reason people lie the reason they steal and uh, reason they you know fornicate and all this list of things is because we are sinners I included myself and I said everything you see on television you know the news time and time again it's just an expression that people are sinners and I said Mr. West I said do you understand uh, that you're a sinner he said oh yeah he said I know I'm a sinner I sure am I said well look the next thing is the wages of sin the Bible says the wages of sin is death and I read Romans 6:23. and I said Mr. West I said uh, uh joining the church is not death and I said, being baptized and living good, trying to do right. I said, you can do all those things without dying, can't you? And he said, yes. I said, well, the Bible says the wages of sin, what must be paid for sin, is death. And I said, if you die right now to pay that sin debt, where would you go? And he didn't answer me. He said, I not ask you something, preacher. He said, what do you think about, and he called the name of a very famous faith healing preacher, you know. And I said, Mr. West, that's not important what I think about that man. I said, let's stay on this main thing here. No, no, no. He said, come on, come on. What do you think about him? And uh, I said, Mr. West, that's not important. Let's stay with this, and I'll answer your question later. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Tell me what you think about it. And I said, Mr. West, you're not going to like my answer. Ooh, brother, that was all it took. His face turned red, anger flushed in his eyes, just almost like rage and boy he said and he said that's a problem with you preachers and boy he started reading me the riot act and he said i got more faith than you have he said i believe i'm dying with cancer i can pray and god heal me and he's ranting and carrying on you know and uh so when he finished i said mr west can i say something yeah like what can you say hick i don't put you in your place I said, Mr. West, you are a perfect example of why I don't believe in your preacher. Huh, why is that? I said, you've already told me you're not a saved man. You're lost. And uh, you have no interest evidently in getting saved. And I said, every one of your preacher's followers that I meet are just exactly like you. Not saved, no interest in getting saved, but ready to fight over the healing of the body. I said, look, granted, you get sick You pray, you get healed, you get sick, you pray, you get healed. I said, somewhere down the line, you're going to die, 103, 104. He said, I won't ever live that long. And that dear man didn't, amen. But, hey, I said, Mr. West, your soul is going to live for eternity somewhere. And I said, I'm trying to help you to stay out of hell so that when you die, you're saved. You go to heaven instead of going to hell. And uh, I said, you tell me which one's the most important. Having your soul saved, live for eternity, or getting your body healed, and live for a little while, and then die and go to hell. Which one's the most important? He looked down a bit. And huh. Well, I never thought about it like that. He said, what time does your church start Sunday? I said, 10 o'clock. He said, we'll be there. The following Sunday night, Alvis West came to church, sat in the very back, listened to the preaching of the word. The invitation came down the aisle, trusted Christ as his savior and was gloriously saved. Went home that night and told his wife, he came alone. But he went home that night and told his wife, said, guess what happened to me? She was ironing at the ironing boards, between, standing up the archway between the kitchen and the living room. She said, what happened to you, Alvis? He said, I got saved at church tonight. She said, well, that's good, Alvis. paid no attention to it. He walked right by her into the kitchen, opened the refrigerator, pulled out a six-pack six of beer. Pshew, she said, I thought, saved. There he's opening a beer. going to drink it. And she heard this glug, 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 glug. <laughs> glug, glug, glug. She said, I looked around the door and he was pouring his booze out. <laughs> Amen. She said, and I got scared. <laughs> he goes to work the next morning and uh, he worked 32 miles away. And he was telling me about it that night, about these things. And he said, uh, he said, Brother Rawls, he said at lunchtime, he said this woman of ill repute came over to my job site and tried, me to, get, uh, tried to get me to go away with her. And said, I wouldn't do it. And said, she persisted and I wouldn't do it. Finally, she just said, got mad, went walking off, you know. He said, When I saw that woman walking away, I knew something had happened to Alvarez West. But he said, like a boy, he said, Well, you turn that woman away, but you won't pass that beer joint. He said, There was a place I always stopped. It was like his car was trained to turn in there. And he said, I actually hated for quitting time to come. Because just that voice, you won't pass that beer joint, you won't pass it, you won't. And he said, you know, he's so wanting this to be real. But he said, I dreaded when I got in my car. And he said, I'm coming up that last hill and over the hill, coming inside of that place. He said, I dreaded to come inside of it. But he said, you know, Brother Ross, when I got close to that thing, he said, I didn't even want to stop. He said, I didn't want to stop. And he was helping me uh put some, the air conditioning system together for the new church that we were building the next night he's out telling me some more things God has done and the next night him and and his wife and Kathy are sitting in one of the pews back there and his wife looked like she's seen a ghost <laughs> she is scared I'm telling you she's seen such a change in that man but then that night she came and got saved amen listen it's not the healing that's not where the focus should be. And that's not where it was with Jesus. It's the message. Amen. It's the result of the message. People getting saved. And notice please. It says when he saw the multitudes, said, But when he saw see the word, but it's it's almost the thought is carried over there. Hey, these things are great. These are wonderful. Preaching in all these places, these synagogues, and healing every sickness, and everything. That's great. But when he saw the multitudes, the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And uh, then saith he unto his disciples. See, in verse 36, we see the problem. But in verse 36... Uh, pardon me. Verse thirty-seven and thirty-eight. We see the solution. He turns to the disciples, and uh, he said to them, "The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few." And the harvest he's talking about is like a farmer looking over his fields of grain, and all at harvest time. And Jesus is not seeing fields of physical grain of like wheat, corn, rye, barley. He's seeing these souls as being the harvest that could be brought in, people that could be saved. And he said, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. And that situation has not changed. The harvest is still great, exceedingly great. But the laborers are still few. And the answer, the solution to getting the laborers is to pray. Look at verse 38, what he said to do. Pray ye therefore, pray in the light of this that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest, and that's the same prayer that we need to be praying today for God to send forth laborers, and that's why we have mission conferences is to help send the laborers out that God is sending to the fields that are white in the harvest so I pray and I trust you're you're praying for the Lord to. To call more laborers, and also that you're praying for the Lord to guide you as to what you should give in your faith promise offering. My wife and I, we give we give faithfully. I do not count our uh, financial financial obligations complete until we have sent our tithes and offerings and our faith promise into our church. So I hope that you'll be praying and ask the Lord to guide you. Okay. Father, I pray that you'd take the word spoken and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.